Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Girl. It's negative 25 degrees here. <laughs> that it takes the wind out of me to hear you say that. Negative 25 degrees Fahrenheit. Negative 17 Celsius. Christ. So you literally can't step outside. My eyebrows like freeze. It's like that kind of cold. How do you do anything? Well, it's all done inside. And I do have to take Holly out to go to the bathroom. She has like a whole little fit now. Winter coat winter shoes and she goes outside like really quickly and just has to go to the bathroom and I'm just sort of the whole time like I'm so sorry like I I'm completely covered up not an inch of skin showing so other than like my eyes it's uh there's something liberating about it where you're just like wow living on an extreme did you have that in Chicago yeah it's a return home in some ways like you know you've been here before absolutely and it didn't get like that ever in New York no Chicago There was a polar vortex the first year I was there and we were sort of getting like notifications on our phone that we could get frostbite within like three minutes of being outside. Um, So it was really intense and that really trained me. The vibe back then was very hoes don't get cold, right? Like you weren't dressing weather appropriate. (laughs) No, I was in a little cardigan. (laughs) So what would you wear to like a party in those days? Oh, my God. I mean, a tiny little crop top, American Apparel high-waisted jeans. Oh, incredible. And like a boot. And then I would put like a winter coat on top, but I would stash it immediately. And then when I'm like out on the porch, like I'm not putting it back on. I'm just going to have like maybe a, a little jacket. I remember, I recall though being outside in little tank tops. May my grandmother never hear this or she'll kill me on sight. It was crazy to see in New York. Like I remember it was cold that I'd never experienced because New Zealand has such like a mellow climate. The coldest it's getting is zero Celsius, I would say. But yeah, getting to New York and being freezing and seeing the girls on New Year's Eve in their little stilettos and mini dresses and truly not a coat, like not a coat, like a like a Carrie Bradshaw spring trench was was what was worn <laughs> at most, at most. And I was like, actually, Mm -hmm. like, this is a different breed. Like, how are you doing it? And how much is the fit worth it? Like, when does the fit stop being worth it? No, now I'm like, nothing is worth it. I am in a floor length puffed coat down to my ankles. I used to have one of those. Oh, I'm kind of obsessed with it, actually. Me and Steven's mom have a matching one now because I was like, where did you get that? I'm completely obsessed. Land's End, everybody go get it. it. Super expensive still. Like, no, it was $98. It was on like a super like end of the year sale, but it was $98 and it's oh, so warm. That is, that's a deal. LA is acting like it's negative 25 degrees. The girls are shivering in their boots. Like, oh my God, it's chilly out here. Like no one is going out. We were invited out last minute to the West Side last night, a West Side club, like a club. And you know, and the guy goes, no, I love a club. And I will always find an excuse to go. But I looked at Chris, it was 9.30, you know, it's probably 50 degrees out there. And I was like, I just don't think I've got it in me. I don't know if I, I don't know if I can do this. And then 20 minutes later, 
I, I walked into the lounge where he was watching TV and I was like, are we young though? Are we being crazy and we're young? Like, what are we doing? Am I being crazy? And he was like, ah, by the time we get there, it's 1030. You getting ready, us out the door. We've had one glass of wine. It's just, I don't think we've got it. We've got it. And I was like, I, I know that you're right. But it's a sobering reality to be like, okay, it's a little bit too chilly and a little bit too late. It's winter. We weren't meant to be living in the club. We weren't meant to be shimmying around right now. It's a it's a time for rest and nights yeah. in. Hibernation season. Yeah, I but I do I do miss the old dance. I ended up running this morning and I ran to Club TG. <laughs> map and I ran there because I oh was my like, god I've got to get there somehow if it's not going to be at midnight on a Saturday night it's going to be at 6 a.m on a Sunday morning that to me feels like on the other side of the world to you it's five miles there I was trying to do 10 I'm oh my god training for a half marathon which is something I have holy moly to do. 10 yes. is so impressive so on New Year's Eve a friend in town from New York for literally a month was like to me at the end of jam before I leave I'm gonna do a half marathon do you want to do it and I was pretty drunk at this point it was probably 2 a.m and I was like you know what I could do that but yeah apparently if you can run 10 you can run the half how did 10 go it's never great I did have an emergency bathroom situation and I had oh, to run to see, a nearest Starbucks yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was I was in my last kind of stretch, my home stretch, last three, and I was like, I got to work this out. It's really humbling when that happens. When you're like, I need a Starbucks more than I need to keep breathing because, <laughs> as we know, Starbucks are sort of the last like public commons. We treat them as a park. We treat them. I know. It's all we have. But the one in Los Feliz, which is where I was, is a big celeb hotspot. It does not need a code for the bathroom. You are just like walking in and out. And if you're in Lululemon, they don't blink an eye. So I didn't have to buy anything, which was amazing. And then I just went back out and jogged on. I have yeah. to know, what's inspiring what? you this week? Oh, dude. Consumer goods often inspire me, but this is another level. I have bought what may be my favorite thing ever off Amazon. It cost me $30, which is steep for what it is. It is a silk hair turban for sleeping. Look, I don't have a silk pillowcase. I don't think I ever will. I just am, I use too many pillows and often lie on my mattress and it's just, it's just not viable. So I was like, okay, what else can I do for the hair? I found this hair turban coupled with a pillowed eye mask. I am in a full sensory deprivation tank. I woke up, I was asleep on my cat's body and I didn't feel it. <laughs> Dude, it's the most incredible purchase. I think we should open an Amazon storefront and I will absolutely be dropping the link. I feel like there are other things we've talked about where it's sort of critical. Those zip ups that you talked about that oh, you yes. get compliments and on, we'll Joe's. put that on there. Yeah, we yeah. should. We should. Has it allowed you to sleep in? Any later? Yes. I <gasps> slept in, I slept until 8 a.m. yesterday. The, for the listener, uh, Beatrice <laughs> is previously to, I guess, yesterday, been unable to sleep past 7 a.m. Yeah. And this includes when we were across the world, jet lag and all. Beatrice is up and looking at her phone at 7.00 a.m. Yeah. in Switzerland. It's a gift and a real curse because it, curse. it also it doesn't matter when you go to bed. It seems like you're just always waking up at seven on the dot. It's really bleak. Like if you have a two or three a.m. night, it's seven on the dot. Like there's just no 
it, there's no payoff. But what's inspiring you? I'm coming here a little bit hungover because <gasps> that's unlike you. I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> context for the listener. Ivana will order two drinks. They will both take her an hour each or more. I think at your bachelorette party, the whole weekend, maybe four drinks were consumed. Like- it's true. I And I, you know what it is also? It's like I get overwhelmed. I want to keep talking. I And then I just let my drink collect dust next to me until I realize like, I've taken away the even the option to be drunk because I'm consuming this so slowly. I'm like going by like the like driver's guidebook of like one <laughs> drink an hour, but never more than two. It's like Yeah, you're drinking I, juice. The ice yeah. is melted. Your Aperol is like a strange tangerine now. It's- I'm just like taking it in like millig- milliliters at a time. But I feel like Charlie Shane anytime we're together. <laughs> <laughs> four margaritas down and you're like I think I'm gonna call it after the one actually I think I'm probably good and I'm like oh my god what is wrong with me and I have friends that feel similarly of like you know it's sort of a Kyle Richards situation if anybody's been watching Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where like she's like I'm not drinking right now and everybody's like come on like (laughs) you used to be so much more fun but I have many friends who have shared similar sentiments of like have four drinks come on And um, honestly, it just feels like sometimes it's just, I forget, I forget. If I ordered four drinks, two would go to waste. So, but last (sighs) night I had a couple cocktails and I had them in rapid succession and they were very, very strong bourbon cocktails. Me and Steven went to, there's this restaurant everyone's been talking about in Milwaukee and they were like, you'll never get a reservation. There weren't any available and they were like, it's so hard to get a table. And so we went, we're like, fuck it. We'll sit at the bar if we have to. We walk in. They're like, oh, sorry, we don't have anything right now. Not even at the bar. And then they were like, actually, a table just opened up. Would you guys like it? We sat at the table and we ordered. Oh, you would have loved the cocktail I got. It was like a whiskey cocktail with um, winter spices. And it was so good that I sucked it down before drinking dinner. Er, (laughs) You were drinking your dinner. I was drinking my dinner and I did. And before dinner came, before I even had a little nibble of a carb. And then I looked at Steven and I was like, I'm absolutely wasted. Like this was like an all alcohol cocktail and I'm, it's been so long and I missed it. So in some way, I don't know if my inspiration is more cocktails, drinking, drinking my, it's, you know, it, which is for January, very off brand for the world. I know a lot of people doing dry January. I'm having a wet, wet January. In all accounts. I mean, it's literally snowing. I mean, we couldn't be on more different ends of the spectrum. I'm like turning down office to go to the club and 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 running and you are getting slizzed. That's so true. I'm writing that in my journal today. Oh. Yesterday I got slizzed. Do you know another boy who loves to get slizzed? <laughs> say him. Actually, say his name. I actually don't know if that's true. Timothy Chalamet. Timothy, as some say. It is pronounced Timothy. However, he does not identify with Timothy. He's like, okay. you, can, you cannot strip me of all the relatability. I am Timothy. We're going to respect his wishes. And my God, is this not a profile to end them all? It is a magnum opus. And it's also about a 24-year-old. Yes. Yeah, which makes it so, so funny. Like, this is the kind of profile that you get of like, 
I'm trying to think like, you know, like a Kiefer Sutherland or like yes. an old grizzled, here's a man who has a lot of perspective. And it's so funny that he gets that treatment as a 24 year old. No, it's Marlon Brando by Truman Capote, but it's Timothy Chalamet. Like it's so yeah, I know. insane. The title is The Making and Remaking of Timothee Chalamet. He found superstardom and artistic acclaim. Oh my God. It literally just exited. <laughs> one more time one more time <laughs> like, you found hey girls you're done <laughs> you've got eight thousand words to go so just like quit while you're ahead <laughs> he found superstardom and artistic acclaim instantaneously now with unique candor the actor of a generation reveals what it's like to come of age in our very upside down era this is written by daniel riley we know him. We love him. We've seen him before because he wrote our Rob Pattinson cover story episode. If you want to go back and listen, that is with Kristen Stegmola, fab astrologist, and she really killed it. So please go back. But Daniel Riley is currently GQ's global director of content development. So he is up, up, up there. Um, probably the highest rank you can get as a writer without becoming like literally Anna Wintour and EIC. But he has now written not one, not two, but three Timothy Chalamet cover stories and is so synonymous, I guess, with the Timothy Chalamet cover that it's in his bio on the GQ website. Yeah, his author's bio is Daniel Riley is a longtime GQ writer and editor who's profiled everyone from Timothy Chalamet twice, now three times, to Jeff Koons and blah, blah, blah. It's a part of his identity. His latest profile of Timothée was 2023. His first one was 2018. Here we're in the middle. This is 8,500 words. Unbelievable to give this much ink to a 24-year-old. I mean, the first profile Daniel did of Timothy was around 5,000. I don't know how long the latest one is. Bit of background for you on Mr. Chalamet. He was born in 95. He grew up in Hell's Kitchen. His parents are very, very cool. His mom is like third generation New Yorker, real estate agent, but also like a former Broadway dancer. Can't get more like New York and chic than that. And I think she also studied French at Yale. And then his father is actually French and former New York correspondent for Le Parisien. Timothy grew up bilingual, speaking English and French, like has dual citizenship, used to go back to um, a small French village every summer to spend time with his grandparents. And he got into acting after seeing Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, which relatable, one of the best performances of our lifetime. Yeah, big time. And that took him to LaGuardia, the iconic theater school for children where he dated Madonna's daughter. And oh, yeah. um yeah, he actually I I'm finding this out now. He he almost didn't get in because his middle school grades were so bad. But the sophomore year drama teacher said it was the best audition he'd ever seen. He was like, I gave him the highest score I've ever given a kid auditioning. The highest score? The highest score. Oh my God. That's crazy. Yeah. And then he just had like a series of roles while he was a teen. And he was an in interstellar, which was like a big moment. And then he was attached to Call Me By Your Name for about three years before it came out. And after Call Me By Your Name, all, all that success starred in Woody Allen's A Rainy Day in New York. And this I found really interesting. I mean, look, I could obviously go through all his film credits, but this was particularly fascinating to me. I didn't know that him and Woody Allen clashed in the wake of that film because it came out on the heels of the Me Too movement. And obviously Woody Allen was a big face of that. Woody claimed in his memoir in 2020 
um, that Timothy Chalamet like went on to denounce him so he could win an Academy Award for Call Me By Your Name. Like it was really political in the end. <sighs> he donated his entire salary from that movie to Time's Up, LGBT Center of New York. And yeah, it didn't really promote the film in any real way, which I find so interesting. And this is the run up really to this profile. I mean, that was 2019. We're here now in 2020, fall, New York, peak COVID, impending election, Biden versus Trump, post BLM. And all of these really inform the profile and inform who Timothy is in this moment. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm wait. Oh actually, I would like to gather your personal thoughts on him. Is okay. he? Would you consider him a crush? Do you admire his work? Where do you mm-hmm. stand on? Because I feel he's a divisive figure. Yes, I think when he came out, big crush because I love a I love a boyish look. I love a cookie. He's cookie adjacent. You can go to our Patreon and read more about celebrity cookies and that type. But he very much like fit into my mold of of what I found was hot. Now not so much, but. I'll tell you what, after reading this, I fully understand why he's been so successful more than anything else. And it is because he is so open, so warm, so like willing to learn and totally unpretentious. And this is the difference I think with him and like a breakout star like Jacob Elordi, wherein like Jacob Elordi is in his GQ profile, like on the precipice of worldwide fame last year and saying like, I hate interviews and like, this is, the, this is the worst part of the job. Like I just signed up to act, man. And I think Timothy just seems like devoid of that. I'm an actor pretension. He just seems like he really loves the work. He loves fashion. He loves meeting his favorite rappers. Like he, he can't believe he's in this game and he's really willing to explore that and unpack that. And I, it's funny. It made me like Jacob Elordi a lot less and made hmm. me like Timothy a lot more. How do you feel? His character in Lady Bird, it, you know, it began with a crush because I remember seeing Lady Bird and I remember seeing him in all of his angst in that role and being like, this is the kind of young man that I would have given it all up for in high school. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, I was like, oh, and honestly, I really do admire him. And I think he's a cutie. Yeah. Chris was like, he's just like a nice guy, right? Like, And I was like, I think he's very nice which is rare like cool like cool to be around like and good like really good at what he does and committed and I think it's it's difficult to find that kind of actor who's like good and wants to be there and is gonna shake all the crew's hands like that's just I don't think you can really get that trifecta and so and he is and so I see why his rise was so quick and so stratospheric just like out the gate because this is not a normal story for a kid actor like his it starts off here and this is the perfect segue timothy chalamet for his first ever film was nominated for best actor now that made him the youngest person in 80 years at 22 to be nominated and At the same time, Dan writes, he had simultaneously been transformed into the rarest of pop confections, fawned over by younger women, older men, and every demographic in between. So this is when Daniel first met him, which I find incredible. It's the lead up to the Oscars in 2018. And, um, and this was when the, his first profile GQ profile kicked off his first ever cover story. 
he really recounts those early days of Tim's career and is like, he's traveling back and forth from New York to Los Angeles. Like he's living under first class lounges and in the lobbies of, you know, beautiful, cool downtown hotels, like the Bowery hotel and sunset tower in LA. And then he arrives back in New York the day after the Oscars. And Daniel says his carriage had turned back into a pumpkin. And this is where Tim is basically right where he left off. Like he's in New York, no credit card, no apartment, no structured demands on his time and attention like there have been in the past. Outsiders who had witnessed the arrival may have regarded this 22-year-old as being in possession of wealth and clout, but he was suddenly back on his own dime, which amounted to maybe five or six dimes, reticent to stay with family and friends whose lives he felt he was disrupting with all his new baggage. Of course, they couldn't possibly comprehend the chemical reaction that had transpired. They were still hydrogen and oxygen and Timothy Chalamet was all of a sudden water. Do you believe you know, the six dimes? I don't know if it was six dimes, but it does paint a picture. We forget that actors are basically freelancers. They have yes. a gig and then the gig ends and who knows where they'll be and the money is never promised. I feel like that's been coming up more and more recently. I've seen Rachel Ziegler um, of Hunger Games and West Side Story fame and then Jacob say on the red carpet like, I needed a job. Like I took this because I needed a job, um, which I think is very real. But also it's only recently, I think that it's been worked into actors contracts to make money on the back end. Like it used to be that you just got your fee for a movie and regardless of how well it did at the box office, you were paid that fee. And now, I mean, with the success of films like Call Me By Your Name, which had a three and a half million dollar budget, three, three and a half million, nothing, and made over 40 million at the box office. It's just kind of untenable that actors should not see a bit of the pie on the other side. So I'm sure because it was an indie movie and because he was so new, he would have just got paid a flat fee and would have been living off that money. Dan says, so then for the three weeks after that Oscar campaign and in 2018, he disappeared into the wallpaper of the Lower East Side. Chalamet holed up against the ugly New York weather of late winter and did the only thing he could think to do, learn lines. The King would be his first film since his pivot to fame, and he was anxious to get back to acting after such a long stretch of merely talking about acting. Even more, he needed to blot out the unrecognizable icon the internet was already beginning to make of Timothy Chalamet. You see The King. I didn't. Sora, Did I you? stood in a screening. I went wow. to a screening of it. Yeah, I know. And it was Lily Rose Depp speaking two lines of French. It was such a shift for him stylistically. And I thought he like really carried the role despite it being such like an enormous one. But Daniel then talks about the first time meeting Timothy and it was at the onset of this initial blush of fame when all of us were being introduced to an actor who had both rare talent and the unengineerable it that chings like an audible sparkle off a jewel in a cartoon. And so his first profile, it was Ladybird, it was Call Me By Your Name, and everyone was like, who is this guy? But it was specifically the one shot in Call Me By Your Name, the final scene, that really cemented Timothy as such a special kid. So I wanted to jump back a little bit to the very first profile and just read this one excerpt because it just feels <gasps> so incredibly relevant. Daniel wrote back in 2018, this final shot, it goes, it goes, and goes. And just when people who watch a lot of movies think it's going to end, it goes a little bit more. 
The longing and nostalgia and love are real and the actor is a conduit. How does a single movie scene transform a life? Here's how. As the actor will later put it, what the scene is about and in many ways what this movie is about, time lost, love lost, regret that love wasn't pursued more fully, more quickly. The lingering shot keeps audiences soldered to their seats and sears a potent idea in their minds. This 20-year-old is someone it is thrilling to have just met out of the blue like this, someone we will no doubt see again, maybe even for the rest of our lives. Back then for that profile, he interviewed Greta Gerwig off the back of Lady Bird, and she was like, he's Christian Bale, he's Daniel Day-Lewis, he's Leonardo DiCaprio, he's a heartthrob with thoroughbred acting chops. Everyone else will be amazed by what he grows into, but I won't. I have always known he's a unicorn. Oh, oh, what a compliment. How crazy. So that scene, that movie upended his whole life. He says now in 2020, my world had flipped, but if I kicked it with my friends, things could still feel the same. I was trying to marry the two realities, but I don't even think I knew what I was doing. That dissonance was real. And thank God, because I feel like if I'd caught up to it immediately, I would have been a psychopath or something. And that's what I mean. There's real awareness. It's not like, I just love to be at home. Like I just, I just like have to go home and like ground myself and connect with my family and then I'm good. It's like, there's something about it that all his quotes, all his thinking that is so real and relatable. He really does feel like if any of us were to be thrust in the spotlight. That's it. And then tell the truth about it and instead of truth. just giving the PR line of like, I just feel so grateful. It's yes. like him being like, no, but this experience has been really insane in all ways. And the gratitude is there. Like the appreciation yes. is definitely there. And he balances the two really well. Like it's never like, oh, woe is me fame. I, there's something about the journey that's so relatable. And when Dan actually asked him to characterize his last two years, he's like, how is it? How has it been? Timothy responds in a multi-hour monologue. He expressed unadulterated gratitude for his great good fortune, but he also expressed confusion and tension. He is firmly in a moment when he is concerned that everything he says or does or thinks will look or sound wrong. So he backtracks. He's like, wait, 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 let me try again. He goes on and off record. He's like, sorry, that one was just for you. He's pacing around, like hands running through his hair, like trying to desperately communicate to Dan what he's been feeling and like how he's trying to be the right kind of man despite all the noise dan writes literally he's doing his best so this is where we find them timothy is currently in woodstock he's rented a house for the month of july and he has at this point in time been slated to play bob dylan in a new biopic this is why he's kind of taken himself away i mean bob dylan loved woodstock loved to write in upstate new york just for some kind of modern day context four years later this movie is still yet to go into production i don't know what's happening with it but that's something that is very much in the works in fact he even hired the entire team that helped austin butler get his elvis voice so he's like he's really gearing up and even in this moment he's ready for this role so he's going back and forth from woodstock in new york and so is dan he's very much like hanging out with him for weeks on end it's, it's a little bit weird. I mean, <laughs> Timothy is at one point he describes like slapping an empty water bottle off the table. So it clatters against the porch screen. And he's like, I want to know what that sounds like. No, like I knew. <laughs> I know the quietness is 
I think, starting to wear on him a little bit. And he's also one of the most famous kids in town and anxious as fuck, sequestered in Woodstock, slapping bottles off tables. And it does feel like sort of artist retreat in that way, which he's aware of. And he's sort of like, I know how this sounds like a young actor cozying up in the woods to find himself and his new role. But he also is clearly reveling in it in in a way that I love where he's like, I'm going to make my shitty pasta and I'm going to I'm going to touch the bottle to see how it sounds, because (laughs) that's what it is to be an artist. And I'm kind of obsessed. I feel like If you get any creative in a room alone for long enough, you get to that point where you're like, water is art. It's the bonds of molecule. And it's like, okay, okay. Yes. (laughs) And I think there's also like, I think there's an element here where he's talking himself into loving this because a retreat in theory sounds so fun. But when you realize that you are now away from your friends and family, like possibly you've turned off your cell phone, who knows the parameters. It's like, hours and hours on end to fill by yourself in the woods like it's not I don't know have you have you ever done it have you spent like a good amount of time alone somewhere in a remote never once I don't think I have it in me dude I think I would spiral out of control I know you used to do them like quite regularly right yeah I the longest I did was and it was crazy because I also didn't know the language but I went to like kind of like secluded parts of Japan and I was completely alone and didn't see another person for like days on end I was just like walking down the street to like find little beaches in Okinawa and it was beautiful and wonderful but also very hard like you and your brain become so acquainted I also didn't have very much service so I couldn't really even like call people I just like gave people my location and was like I will be here for the next week I'm someone like 15 minutes alone. Like I talk to myself. I like listen to podcasts 24 seven. I just learned how to listen to them in the shower with my earbuds on and a shower cap. Like I'm really stop, like, stop, stop, I, stop, stop. Okay. Yeah, your I technology, like- <laughs> your head technology is through the roof. <laughs> I need near constant commentary and noise and chatter. I don't know. I think that is meditative to me. Like that's silencing the voices. So I don't think I I have it in me to listen to the voices the way that Timothy is in this moment. I mean, he's practicing his guitar and harmonica. He's deleted Instagram. He stopped posting on Twitter. He's reading again. He's listening to albums all the way through. Like I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Shaking in the corner, fetal position for me. But Dan gets into his career a little bit more and goes back to when Timothy starred in The King. And that was obviously like a huge undertaking for him. He was like, I was on set with all these Hungarian men with scars on their faces. And it's like in a movie called The King. And he is the king, the titular character. And I think this was also a bit of a struggle for him because he would go, you know, on location out of the country for these crazy movies. And then he would come back to New York where like, once again, he's just like thrust into the city living, like he's changed, but nothing else has. So he was like, it's, it was me like getting on the ACE at Port Authority, just like, what the fuck is going on? And this pattern would continue. So it would just be like this chaotic, intense immersion into work. And then what he describes as the thud of lost purpose, which is so freelancing. Like it's such a beautiful way to put it. Like he really like nails it there. It happened in the same way with Little Woman, which reunited him with Greta Gerwig and Saoirse Ronan, his Ladybird friends. And it's just interesting the way that he falls into friendship like no one else. Like he falls in love with people so hard. And it's very theater kid 
to me, like I really relate to it. It's like we're on the product. We're hanging out for weeks on end and I am like obsessed with you. Like you are family to me, like totally infatuated with his co-stars. And often they're way older than him because June co-stars, Josh Brolin, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, he became obsessed with. Apparently there was a scene in the movie where Timothy like runs into the arms of Jason Momoa and Jason like grabs him like a puppy and lifts him into the air. Like he's like this little baby. And Dan was like, and that's real. Like they really loved each other. Like it was so beautiful. It really really came through. But he loves to be the fresh meat. Like he loves to be the youngest in the room. And I think it's that element of like, you get the wisdom, but you also feel a little bit unique, a little bit naive and special. And Greta is here now in this piece in 2020, Dan has interviewed her again saying, it's like so hard for me to talk about him strategically because I'm his friend. Like I love talking to him. We can get on the phone and talk for an hour or more without even realizing it, just skipping subject to subject, making jokes, me feeling old and happy and him being (laughs) funny and anxious. And it's like, it's like me being old and happy. That's so sweet. I'm excited to be that to someone because, and I'm sure you relate to this, like of our friends, I would say like, I mostly have older ones. Like I, at this time in my life, don't have any 22 year old friends, but I look forward to when they find me and I could feel old and happy for once. I'm ready to sit on my rocking chair and rest. I was really excited to step into that role and went back to my old high school, but was like deeply disappointed by the vibes. (laughs) I'm actually, yeah, next week I'll be going to my old college. So we'll see. Maybe I'll pick up some friends. Please come back with details and let me know how it goes. But I think I've spoken about this and it was literally just, how do you make the most money? And like, who's the most famous person you know? And I was like, Christ. Um, Okay. (laughs) Chain smoking cigarettes up there being like, well, let me tell you this one time when I met (laughs) fucking like someone so niche, like Cameron Dallas, like (laughs) (laughs) something they're all like rolling their eyes and tuning you out. That makes me sick. This has also put him in this tricky situation, right? Always hanging out with older people because he's outgrown the people his own age which is really made clear by the next section. Now Dan goes back to 2019 and Timothy is again in Hollywood for his second Oscar campaign. And he's in all the same rooms as before, the same lunches, same dinners, same cocktail parties, shaking hands with the same Academy members who showed up at everything to get a little nibble of the freshest biscuit, growling ominous things at him like, you don't have my vote yet. And Timothy says, <laughs> this is an example of Timothy nailing it when it comes to talking about these situations. He never sounds holier than thou. He never sounds jaded, but it, he speaks about it with such clarity of someone who is really like within and without in that way. Like he's like, I really don't know how to talk about this stuff because my experience of it is at the center of it. There's just some dark energy at these things. And this time around, I felt like I could see it. And I'm thinking, why isn't it going the exact Hmm. same way? It's funny, within two years, because he has moved so quickly, he's already feeling the glow has worn off, right? So we're back in early fame. And basically what the Best Actor nomination in history got him was the ability to cherry pick directors. And he beelined straight for Wes Anderson. And Wes is quoted here in this piece saying, I'd seen Timmy in Lady Bird and Call Me By Your Name. 
And I'd never had the inconvenience of ever thinking of anyone else for a role in The French Dispatch, his 2021 film. I knew he was exactly right. And plus, he speaks French and looks like he might have actually walked right out of an Eric Rome movie sometime in 1985. He's not any kind of type. But that new wave would have been a happy place for him, which I think is so real. He really does. You talk about iPad face or whatever. Yeah, he does not have it. He does not have it. He really could step into any era. And on set of The French Dispatch, he befriended Joel Cohen, who is one of the Cohen brothers and is married to Francis McDormand, which I didn't know. And Francis was in The French Dispatch. So they end up sharing a steak and they talk about Bob Dylan. I guess Cohen is is a big fan. And was saying that the incredible thing about Bob Dylan was not so much like the quality of his work, one groundbreaking album after another in those early years. And this takeaway like really resonated with Timothy. He reflected on it, especially in summer of 2020, because no one was working, which I forget. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was COVID and production had really stalled. So, no. Did you hear that? (laughs) Oh, it was sweet we'll keep, we have to keep it in we have we'll to keep, keep it, it in, in. It's, it's dimitri announcing his presence yet again do you want to see him uh, mommy oh my god it's mr man this is oh this is he man. looks so good is, he looks so good on camera born the, for it the ring light is just working wonders on little man i know oh what a sweetie <laughs> hearing that about bob dylan really stayed with Timothy. Like it made him want to work like harder, longer, better. He's like, I want to get back into that undefined space again. I'm chasing a feeling. When you think you're doing some great thing, it's probably something you've done before. And when you really fucking have no clue, that's when you're doing something on the edge, good or bad. I agree. Like uncover like girl, am I right? <laughs> exactly. Great things always. Well, One, they're out of the comfort zone. You know, there's that little Venn diagram of like, you know, here's your comfort zone. Here's change. Here's growth or whatever. And I agree with it. I agree with it. Yeah. And I think there's such a close correlation, obviously, between something that's good and something that's kind of terrible and you not having an idea actually which it is, but just pursuing it regardless. And there is something magical about that moment of just like, who cares? Let's do it anyway. Let's like lean into the cringe. And that is what Timothy is talking about. Like, he's like, I want to be kind of cringe and do whatever. The problem is he's so fucking famous. And now like Dan and Timothy are just Um, sitting along the Hudson. And this is a testament, obviously, to how famous he is. He gets recognized even with a mask on, but it got him his first blockbuster, Dune, a huge role. And director Dennis Villeneuve says that he was like the one name on oh, the page. Oh, I think it's oh. I think it's Denny. Denny? I've Look. never said it out loud. Timothée and Denny, gorgeous. I know two um, French men. But Denny was like, yeah, he was the one name on the page. Like he was the first and only choice. Denny's like there's something like deep deep in his eyes. It's like an intelligence that you cannot fake. He's just brilliant. Very intellectual, very strong. He's also a very old soul. You see he's lived through several lives. <laughs> And at the same time, he looks so young on camera. He has that instant charisma on screen. Some romantic beauty to him. It's so crazy. This man 
goes on and on. Loves like it's him. Like, loves, loves his ass. Yeah. It's literally like twirling my hair, like legs kicking, lying on my bed. Like being yeah. like, there's just this like, I don't know, there's this like old Hollywood quality. Um, <laughs> a cross between aristocracy and being a bum at the same time. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, stop. <laughs> so sweet. And he and he's right. Like it really does all come through. And I'm excited to see Dune part two because I feel like It'll give him this like crazy evolution that he's so good at, at being like this like youthful young man and also this old soul all at the same time. Yeah. And it's great to get that perspective from the director of like why you would cast him. And then Zendaya is quoted in here and you get the vibe of what it's like with him on set, which I think is really what carries him through. She's like, he's just so fun to be around. Like we can joke for such a long time. And then when the cameras start rolling, it's time to work and you can see it's game time. He just like taps into this brilliant intensity, which I think is like the Yolanda Hadid saying, I think she said to like Bella and Gigi, there's always going to be a girl who's like younger, more beautiful, cooler than you, but like no one else is going to be nicer. And that's what you need to show up with. I mean, I think that really rings true for timothy like he's just a good hang when you look at like how people respond to him on a red carpet they are so like saoirse ronan who is like a no-nonsense artiste in many ways zendaya who's beloved by all been famous forever all of them when they're seeing him on a red carpet it's like (gasps) hi and i trust my man Yes, I trust a man who's so beloved by women and interesting women and serious women and women that care about their work and their their lives. They they love Agreed. him. Also interesting because he is really the um, he's like the outsider kid. And I think he considers himself this. So when the door opened to this world, he was so excited. And you see that from his like red carpet interviews with his styling, the Kid Cudi obsession that he has. He's like now meeting all his like hip hop heroes, rapping back their lyrics to them and like they're cool with him. And through it all, he kind of starts dating Lily Rose Depp. In this moment, they are together. He won't talk about their relationship, but he does share this. They went to the Venice Film Festival together. And after that, they took a few days for themselves in Capri. And here is where (laughs) this this we're posting. Oh, yeah. No, we can't. No, no. Can we? No, I, I don't think love we can. those photos. I love I those know, photos. I know, but he hates them. I think he's got to laugh at them now. Like there's some, there's got to be some like perspective now that both moved on with different people. Like you can. It's like also, it's like looking back at photos in middle school where you're just like, oh my God, I think that yes. this is too close and why he hates them. It's like, this just happened with yes, someone he's they're with. Horribly they're like, horrible. They're horrible. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the two of them on a boat in Capri and uh, Dan describes it as Timothy is contorting himself into a kiss with her and looks a little awkward. That is putting it kindly. He is very much reaching for, the, it's a full tongue make out and it just looks like the kiss you had your first night on the town at like 18 like a brutal, lot of saliva, a lot of tongue kind of kiss. I know. It's yeah. so it's so special, though. There's something so youthful about it. And it brings us all back. It is the spritz of Bath & Body Works perfume. There is a, a nostalgia there where you're like, I remember 
what it felt like to kiss as if you were inventing kissing for the very first time. Yeah. And that comes across like the the invention of kissing is happening in real time in those photos. And um, I just love his next quote because it reminds me so much of a, of something we've delved into on many occasions where it's like, you've had a great day and then someone posts an ugly photo of you and you're just like, that was actually like a terrible day. And like <laughs> that was the worst experience of my life. And like, fuck, why am I such a pork chop? His reaction in this moment, like he's like, I went to bed thinking that was the best day of my life. I was on this boat all day with someone I really loved and closing my eyes, I was like, indisputably, that was great. And then waking up to all these pictures and feeling embarrassed and looking like a real knob, all pale. And then people are like, this is a PR stunt. A PR stunt? Do you think I'd want to look like that in front of all of you? Oh, man. Oh, God. Also, like paparazzi in Europe are just on an absolute another level. Like they really, it's they they'll get you. They'll get you one way or another. Was Hillary Duff in Europe when she had the paparazzi scandal where she got proposed to, and then she like immediately, happily, joyfully Performed went down on her husband? Yeah. <laughs> went down on her husband and then people were like awful and it's like what are you talking about this was a deeply private moment that was stolen from them um uh, where did that happen where was it oh it's like really hard to find oh her publicist has worked on this one no no the it's the photos are still there oh they were in maui oh i mean I do miss the balcony celebrity pap shot. I mean, remember when just like Rihanna used to wave and they were where they belong, very high up. <laughs> yeah. Looking um, down on us plebs. As they should. But like Dan's like, but this is like how things work now. Like he had disappeared into those four straight films and emerged in a new paradigm. One that followed him into the holiday season of last year and then a whole new level ex of exposure with Little Woman. Here was a film about sisterhood, female intimacy, a feminist critique of art and romance. And yet Timothy was the shiniest object in the set for so many fans. Sersha goes, I'm very used to answering questions about Timothy's hair from 15-year-old girls. I imagine that's probably what you're going to ask me about. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love her quotes in this. She's like such a, she's such a real bitch. Like she's yeah, like, she <laughs> is. She when is. she talks about Coachella, the oh, Coachella, I was like, I think I have to like jump straight to that. I think so she's you should. Like, She's like, obviously, like, he's catapulted into, like, a whole nother realm of attention and notoriety. You know, like, I never got photographed at Coachella, like, the way that he got photographed at Coachella, and I've been to Coachella. And then Timothy's like, we're best friends, and she's never judged me for the Coachella of it all. <laughs> and I don't know what that's talking about. Like, what was Coachella? Oh, he no. What he's saying is, like, she doesn't judge me for, like, the silly, famous people I'm in an outfit at Coachella part of it. And she's like, I go to Coachella, but nobody photographs me at Coachella. Like, I'm not going to be seen, like, right, in the secret. Was, was there a Coachella moment? With Timothy? Like, was there, like, a famous, like, a viral Coachella no, no. I think he's like backstage Coachella. Oh, like he's, he's going to Coachella like, like a VIP, and she's yes. just like attending Coachella. She's attending all Coachella. Right like she's in GA. She's waiting in line for the bathroom with the other girls. It's a different level when you're when you're Timothy in the streets, and he has been really hitting the streets in 2020, not for a sharp and kind of dark pivot, but um, he marched for BLM. Um, I guess all through summer 2020. 
and wants to talk about it, which is fair because in this moment, it was every dinner table conversation. You kind of couldn't avoid having this discourse about your place in all of this and how to activate and serve and like be of service, but also do things the right way. There was so much conflicting information and it was just a really intense time. And he talks about it in the sense of this idea that power is the mass of body politic organized and how many bodies can you get together? That makes sense to me. With a mask, a hood, a hat, glasses, my face is deleted and I'm literally presenting a physical form, you know, a single body in space that like a vote cast in an election is democracy embodied, but anonymous, the same unit of power as anyone else. People might find it disingenuous, but I found it really grounding. He said, it was like, oh shit, I don't feel out of place. And yet I haven't been in a crowd like this for years. This is the man going to bed with Kylie Jenner. Like it does feel a little bit incongruous. I understand why he would feel a need to address it no i'm talking about like how beautifully like articulately he's like summarizing this idea (laughs) and he is going to sleep every night with stormy like it just feels like very what do you think they talk about did you see the lip reading of that video yeah 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 so the lip reading was her touching his necklace and saying this is nice (laughs) she's like do they have the all black one like that's the one i want and he's like yeah i think so and then he's like i love you and she's like, I love you too. And then he goes, just kidding. I was talking about someone else. And she goes, haha, I was talking about someone else too. And that's their interaction. That's, that's. I think they probably connect over like music and fashion. Like I think, because mm, yeah. I think he's, I think that's maybe what it is. I think they're I, both nice also. Like I think that they're, they're probably really sweet to each other. And I think men are different. Like they don't need You talk about like rich men who have sugar babies or have like much younger wives and you think like, what do they talk about? But it's like, they're not talking to them. Do you know what I mean? Like they have other people to talk to. They don't need to talk to their lovers, girlfriends, like what have you. And I think that's probably what's happening here. Like he's got Greta Gerwig on the line. He's got Denis Nouveau (laughs) to chat to like he he I don't think he needs that from Kylie it's probably like a different type of connection I think that's fair also really feels like uh you know we'll never truly know who any of the Kardashians are in private we see the public personas that they present and outside of that we really don't know how much of it like the Paris Hilton character caricature Where I hear she's a smart, intelligent businesswoman who has done real things, but that's not how the world knows her. Yes, yes. But he's he's in 2020 and he wants to talk about 2020. And all these issues came up for me, came up for my friends. And he's really like delving into them here. He's like, after a day of protests, I'd ask friends if they, quote, felt good. If we do, is it a good thing to feel good? Or does it mean we're doing it for the wrong reasons? That is literally Kantian ethics. That's like, you cannot do things for the sake of feeling good. And if you do things that are good and they feel good, then your good is canceled out. It cannot feel good. You have to do things that feel good, that are good, that don't feel good to you. Like that is is what Kant is. And like, it's funny, he's really asking these big philosophical questions. And he's like, I've also, I'm trying to work out like who benefits from my half-baked ideas. And Dan's like, yeah, who cannot relate to this in 2020? Like Timothy's like, I care so much about this stuff. 
but I would never want my caring to be misconstrued. I don't want my caring to be about me in any way. It's real. And I really, I really am impressed by his philosophy on just being a body and how so much, so many people were accused at this time of sort of performative activism and like going to one protest and posting like 4,000 videos from that one protest and being like, I was here. Now you all know, all my followers know that I was here. And his whole thing is like, no, I'm there anonymously. And it's about doing the right thing when nobody's watching. It's about doing the right thing because it's the right thing and showing up just to take up space because the mass movement requires mass participation. And it's Mm. very evolved. I remembering Madison Beer standing on that car with a sign and that feed post. It was Black Square era, like <laughs> oh. I know. Looking back, it's it's tough. And it, yeah, he's asking all the hard questions. You know, this is such a dangerous topic to be talking to a journalist about. The pitchforks were out. It, it was really tough to kind of have these conversations in public. And the fact that he is willing to go there, I think, is a is a testament to him. And Daniel kind of waxes lyrical here about how torn up Timothy is. And I this is gonna be my my critique of this profile, is that I think it goes on too long. Like I think because he spent so much time with him, and this kind of happens to me with you even. If I've spent a lot of time with you, I will talk about you to my friends. I'll be like, sister, I never had, like, mother. Wait, I do this like, too. I do yeah, this too. And it's like, these people don't know them. Like, stop. Like, stop. And it's like all of my stories become things that have happened to you. I'm like, yes, we just put uh, new gravel in the backyard. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like talking about how like you just got like little white stones to sort of like fill in the sparse places in your front yard. And people are like, I'm, ha- I'm happy. I'm for happy her. for this girl I- I've never met. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, no. oh, okay. And, and this is what Dan's doing. Like he's hung out with Timothy for so long at this point that he's almost like, osmosising into his life and like emotions and perspective and at this point i'm like okay you kind of like navel gazing for the two of you like this is one okay one short excerpt because it goes on for so long but dan writes he is so young and he is so old he is so patient when he can suppress being so restless so 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 careful with the long arc of a career when he can resist obsessing over the instant he is so confident when he centers on the work and so searching when he gets sucked down into the questions about the rest of his life will he always be this way (laughs) it's carrie writing about big like it It really is is. like it's such an obsession and there's so many more rhetorical questions after that and then and then he literally affirms my suspicion by saying, we spent a good amount of time in Woodstock in New York <laughs> City and on the phone. <laughs> I feel it deeply because I am so bad at being succinct. Like when I'm writing, I tend to really, I'm not like, a, you know, like, oh, if I can get it done in a hundred words, why would I do a thousand? I'm like, right. let's do a thousand and then let's add to that. So. Right. This is like staring into my own tendency. The rhetorical questions got me. I also at this point was like, wow, wow, wow. Wow. He loves the boy. He loves the boy. But I think like the the most interesting thing, the real Korea takeaways that Timothy has and Dan pulls out of him, his immediate Oscar nomination just like out the gate 
really freed him to not spend the rest of his career chasing that kind of validation. So when you get everything you want immediately, then it's kind of back to the drawing board and you can be like, look, if everything ends tomorrow, if everything blows up, I've been recognized, I've been validated and I don't really necessarily need it again. And Timothy's like, I'm not going to be bashing my head against the wall trying to prove that I'm an actor. The train can run over my leg and leave a track forever. And yet the point of entry for me is the Oscar nomination. He doesn't say it, but, um, but he does say, and that's a good feeling. And he's also like, he's looked at all the careers. I mean, going back to that first profile where Greta Gerwig was like, he's Christian Bale, he's DiCaprio, you know, he's Johnny Depp. Like he's been tracking all these men. He loves them. He's fans of them. But he was like, now Hollywood is different. Like you can't really have that same kind of career anymore. And he's like, and I've realized that as much of these heroes of mine mean to me, and as grateful as I am when they offer me advice, even they acknowledge it's just a different thing now. Another comparison that I'm seeing right now in popular culture, another like quote unquote leading man that's having a big moment, Glenn Powell. <laughs> yeah. And people yeah. are comparing him to Matthew McConaughey, like an early Matthew McConaughey. And it's like, oh my God, like this like charismatic young man. He's been in rom-coms, but he's got so much more in him. But they are inherently different also because – Matthew McConaughey was not taken seriously at all in his time. And it was sort mm. of like a whole bit when he came out and started doing real movies like The Interstellars and The True Detectives, because it was sort of like, oh, my God, like we thought of this man as like this sort of ridiculous, nobody, nothing like rom-com mm. guy. And now here he is. And with the Internet age and like how ever present Glenn Powell is and also personally how i believe he does not have the it factor of a matthew mcconaughey no no he does not have the accent of a matthew mcconaughey no which carries him through yeah so it's just it's a different thing like you can't you kind of can't compare the old guard with the new guard i completely agree and now he's like yeah like there are no models there are no blueprints for his career like so much has, has changed and dan's like there's only a head and a heart and a feeling for the moment Maybe I'll never do a great work of art again, Timothy says, but I just feel like I'm confident in the way I'm trying to approach things now, how I'm setting up the angles. When you think about Bob Dylan, when you think about what Joel Cohen said about the rapidness of his art, I'm just like, trust the beat of your own drum. Give this its best shot. Give your artistry its best shot. <sighs> great advice. From a 24-year-old Timothy Chalamet ruminating in Woodstock, <sighs> marinating in his own thoughts. I know. but no, And the, the craziest part of all of this is that the thoughts he's marinating on are actually substantive. They're interesting. They're, yeah. they're new at times. They're a different side of things. And I think the reason, and I thought about this after I read it, I was like, I wonder what Beatrice's take is going to be on all of this. But- you being someone that really values and admires honesty, I thought this was like pretty radical in how honest he was about like how he's feeling, how the yacht photos landed on him, how like fame has been for him. He kind of is telling the truth in a way that, you know, the sort of PR statement of like, I feel so lucky coming from a small town and now I'm yeah. here. Like, I think that we've come across in this episode, like we're obsessed with this man. Like we love this man. I really expected to have some eye up and 
I've come away from it being like, oh my God, I, I think he's a deep thinker in a way that I didn't expect. I've learned so much about him. And reading this, and I can't help it, but reading this versus reading the Jacob Elordi GQ profile piece, which literally catches him very much in the same moment that Timothy is in now, that did not resonate with me one bit in terms of that man is a person. Like, even though, you know, I've met him and he was like in a normal context too, like not professionally. And he was very, very nice and so incredibly likable. I came away from that profile, not finding him likable. He was like, fuck the kissing booth, which is like one thing, but also talking about how much he loved that, that Brando profile and how it's his favorite piece of writing only for the writer to be like, you know, he hated that. Right. And he's like, wait, did he? And it's like, (laughs) that's your favorite piece of writing. And you're the one talking about how much you hate interviews. And then you're surprised to find out that Marlon Brando hated that interview that you love. Like, I don't know. It just, it read to me a little bit like, I don't know this word is too harsh but like bear with me like pseudo intellectual like it read to me a little bit <gasps> oh it's such a harsh word it's like it's homely. Too harsh. It's too harsh. homely and pseudo intellectual <laughs> oh, just just yeah. like no yeah. no and I and I don't think he is one but it felt like pulling out the deep cut cultural references you know to impress someone and like I can totally understand how that would be a tendency that everyone leans towards in an interview like for sure I probably would as well but to use your word, that is why this feels radical. Cause there's none of that. He's just like, so chill, cool, genuinely interesting. And he's having that effect on everyone around him. Like everyone is in agreement over that fact. I'm sure is well read enough and has the cultural references that if he wanted to, he could have thrown in like, you know, as I've been up here reading Dostoevsky I find myself really (laughs) contemplating, you know, but he doesn't. And I don't know if you've spent time with a man who's ever tried to. uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. It's um, it's really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Play play the intellectual intellectual guitar. (laughs) It's like it's crazy. That's happened to me once. I found myself in Strand Bookstore with a man who was like picking up philosophy books and being like, oh, if you haven't already, you must. Yeah. What he'll make you think of your own mortality is just beyond. And I was just like, what you're saying is so boring to me because one, yeah. I'm already kind of familiar with this. Two, I don't want you to like half explain it to me at 8 p.m. on a Friday. I'm good. I remember going on a date with a man raised in Tribeca, working for like the nonprofit run by his mother. And when I told him I worked at a fashion magazine, he was like, and you're fulfilled by that? (gasps) And I was like, okay, pot kettle. Like you, (laughs) listen, you, and very much that type of, yeah, making you feel inferior or uncultured or unworldly by way of sharing their own interests, loves, what have you, like knowing you won't connect to it. And that's a huge pet peeve. And like, honestly, ick for me is like when a guy will do that. And yet he just, I mean, to hear him speak, yeah, he's just incredibly eloquent. And I think this is why his career has continued on in this way. Like he could have really burnt out after these two years, but he, I mean, it's 2023, he hosted Saturday Night Live for the second time. He got $9 million for playing Willy Wonka, which grossed fucking $500 million worldwide. It's like, he's doing well. And I think that that is why the Kylie thing feels so weird, is that people are like, 
this is at odds with the man that we thought we knew. Like, huh? And Jacob Elordi too. It's like with Olivia Jade, I think people feel the same way. It's like, oh, this is at odds with the man we believed you to be. Wouldn't you go for maybe someone non-famous, maybe like a, a Yale grad? Like, it's curious. So I'm just so interested to see what comes next for him, both professionally and romantically. I know. I am desperate to see him in an episode of Keeping Up. Can you imagine oh, that crossover? Yes. <laughs> my god him and scott disick just kicking it just yeah. the bros that he going on the family vacation to like mykonos it Doing would be everything off the bora bora wolf him and penelope buds raising those children the stepdad t-shirt like i'm not yeah. the stepfather i'm the father that stepped up i mean he's <laughs> he's really he's out here taking names i hope more than anything because i know that he's artistically fulfilled it seems like he's incredibly thoughtful about how he picks projects all the directors he's working with are some of the most interesting people working out there right now so i i feel confident that he is creatively and artistically fulfilled and i just hope he's having fun and happy and feeling good wait it just occurred to me do you know what he would have been great in with the whole premise don't worry darling as like the incel turned like cool guy in this weird dystopian 1950s world with him and florence Pugh's chemistry get out of here get out of town them two as laurie and amy march were chef's kiss electric yeah i loved it i think that we should do as a three-part series all three profiles like it is so interesting yeah same same writer every time gq every time a couple years in between them every time it's really it's so interesting and the last one came out october last year so we're fresh no we have to do that i am so curious because i also feel like this is a person that i'd love to sit with to evolve with to see what's changed over the years like this is not someone that it's like here we are begrudgingly returning to an old enemy of ours No, this is someone who we'd have a good time with. To answer our question, I mean, I would love to sit with this man. This is what I see. Me, you, Timotei, Timotei. three martinis, and a whole evening stretched out in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I need to order a Cosmo the next time I'm at a bar. (laughs) I was like, two martinis? You are – that's a Nirvana I I don't know, but would love to see. Have you really – have I – never – no, at Coachella, but I don't think you were like, <laughs> there were other things going on, <laughs> but, uh, but no, <laughs> but uh, no, in the meantime, I will be linking my turban in the show notes. And of course, just a little taste of what our Amazon storefront will eventually be. Just a little, a little look, a little tease just to get you going until we, uh, we set that, that baby up. I'll think about things and I'll try to remember what we've said in past episodes. Totally. I mean, one of your inspirations was just trousers. I think there's a lot there. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, my inspirations are so often just like little items. I'm like this water bottle, one can of Diet Coke. (laughs) No, you are so love language gifts. Like you are so like gift for me. (laughs) Oh my God. I think my love language to myself is a little gift. 100 Your love language across the board. Like you will show up with like a baked good or like anything. And I think that you put it- No, both, both ways. I think you give and receive. I never expect a gift ever, even on my birthday. Like it's crazy to me when anytime anyone ever gives me a gift. And so I think it's always like the greatest shock of my life when I get a gift. I'm like, yeah. 
I brought you a cookie. You were just like in shock. I'm not a words of affirmation girl. What are yours? Used to be words of affirmation and touch. Yeah. Now is acts of service and quality oh. time. But I think I would say it's actually gifts. <laughs> I love a gift. <laughs> the thought acts that goes service. into a gift is, yeah. is big for me because I put so much thought into gifts. Acts, I also feel like is a gift not an act of service? One in the same. That, Interchangeable. It is really that. It's like, it's not the cookie. It's not like I'm like, I love when I get a cookie. It's like, I can't believe that someone thought of me as they got their own cookie or like passed a cookie. They thought of me enough to buy the cookie. Like to me, that is an act of love. And it's also a gift. And you are And a it's gift. a gift. That's what my name means. Gift. Stop. Gift from God. You certainly are, mama. <laughs> as is Timothy Chalamet, a gift from God, an angel among men. We have come away from this, loving him in a way that I don't think either of us expected. I did not. Unexpected. Unexpected to me. And you'll be hearing a lot more of him because we will be diving into each and every profile. Yay! Okay, weekly reminder, please subscribe to the Patreon. We just talked about him on the Patreon. We did. We just talked about him on the Patreon. We didn't even talk about Selena Taylor and the other one. Keely Teller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You'll just have to subscribe to the Patreon to find out what we're even talking about. Yes, you will. Subscribe to the Patreon and please leave us a review if you listen on Apple and like and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts. I don't know what you kids are doing these days. We love you. We love you. We live for you. (laughs) See you next week. Bye. Uncover Girl is lovingly crafted by Beatrice Hazelhurst and Ivana Ryder. If you want to get even deeper under the covers with us, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash uncovergirl or follow us on Instagram at uncovergirlpodcast. Rate Uncover Girl, write us a review, and share your favorite episode, Shawn Mendes, Rolling Stone 2018, anyone? And we will be your forever fans. Love you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.